Section Zero of The Law by Frederick Bastiat. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Like Many Waters. The Law by Frederick Bastiat. Section Zero. Forward. Anyone building a personal library of liberty must include in it a copy of Frederick Bastiat's classic essay, The Law, first published in 1850 by the great French economist and journalist. It is as clear a statement as has ever been made of the original American ideal of government as proclaimed in the Declaration of Independence, that the main purpose of any government is the protection of the lives, liberties, and property of its citizens. Bastiat believed that all human beings possessed the God-given natural rights of individuality, liberty, property. This is man, he wrote. These three gifts from God precede all human legislation. But even in his time, writing in the late 1840s, Bastiat was alarmed over how the law had been perverted into an instrument of what he called legal plunder. Far from protecting individual rights, the law was increasingly used to deprive one group of citizens of those rights for the benefit of another group, and especially for the benefit of the state itself. He condemned the legal plunder of protectionist tariffs, government subsidies of all kinds, progressive taxation, public schools, government jobs programs, minimum wage laws, welfare, usury laws, and more. Bastiat's warnings of the dire effects of legal plunder are as relevant today as they were the day he first issued them. The system of legal plunder, which many now celebrate as democracy, will erase from everyone's conscience, he wrote, the distinction between justice and injustice. The plundered classes will eventually figure out how to enter the political game and plunder their fellow man. Legislation will never be guided by any principles of justice, but only by brute political force. The great French champion of liberty also forecast the corruption of education by the state. Those who held government-endowed teaching positions, he wrote, would rarely criticize legal plunder, lest their government endowments be ended. The system of legal plunder would also greatly exaggerate the importance of politics and society. That would be a most unhealthy development, as it would encourage even more citizens to seek to improve their own well-being, not by producing goods and services for the marketplace, but by plundering their fellow citizens through politics. Bastiat was also wise enough to anticipate what modern economists call rent-seeking and rent-avoidance behavior. These two clumsy phrases refer, respectively, to the phenomena of lobbying for political favors, legal plunder, and of engaging in political activity directed at protecting oneself from being the victim of plunder-seekers. For example, the steel manufacturing industry lobbies for high tariffs on steel, whereas steel-using industries, like the automobile industry, can be expected to lobby against high tariffs on steel. The reason why modern economists are concerned about rent-seeking is the opportunity cost involved. The more time, effort, and money that is spent by businesses on conniving to manipulate politics, merely transferring wealth, the less time is spent on producing goods and services which increases wealth. Thus, legal plunder impoverishes the entire society despite the fact that a small but politically influential part of the society benefits from it. It is remarkable in reading the law 
how perfectly accurate bastiat was in describing the statists of his day which it turns out were not much different from the statists of today or of any other day the french socialists of bastiat's day espoused doctrines that perverted charity education and morals for one thing true charity does not begin with the robbery of taxation he pointed out government schooling is inevitably an exercise in statist brainwashing not genuine education and it is hardly moral for a large gang government to legally rob one section of the population keep most of the loot and share a little of it with various needy individuals socialists want to play god bastiat observed anticipating all the future tyrants and despots of the world who would try to remake the world in their image whether that image would be communism fascism the glorious union or global democracy bastiat also observed that socialists wanted forced conformity rigid regimentation of the population through pervasive regulation forced equality of wealth and dictatorship as such they were the mortal enemies of liberty dictatorship need not involve an actual dictator all that was needed said bastiat was the laws enacted by a congress or a parliament that would achieve the same effect forced conformity bastiat was also wise to point out that the world had far too many great men fathers of their countries etc who in reality are usually nothing but petty tyrants with a sick and compulsive desire to rule over others the defenders of the free society should have a healthy disrespect for all such men bastiat admired america and pointed to the america of eighteen fifty as being as close as any society in the world to his ideal of a government that protected individual rights to life liberty and property there were two major exceptions however the twin evils of slavery and protectionist tariffs frederick bastiat died on christmas eve eighteen fifty and did not live to observe the convulsions that the america he admired so much would go through in the next fifteen years and longer it is unlikely that he would have considered the u s government's military invasion of the southern states in eighteen sixty one the killing of some three hundred thousand citizens and the bombing burning and plundering of the region's cities towns farms and businesses as being consistent in any way with the protection of the lives liberties and properties of those citizens as promised by the declaration of independence had he lived to see all of this he most likely would have added legal murder to legal plunder as one of the two great sins of government he would likely have viewed the post-war republican party with its fifty per cent average tariff rates its massive corporate welfare schemes and its twenty-five-year campaign of genocide against the plains indians as first-rate plunderers and traitors to the american ideal in the latter pages of the law bastiat offers the sage advice that what was really needed was a science of economics that would explain the harmony or lack thereof of a free society as opposed to socialism he made a major contribution to this end himself with the publication of his book economic harmonies which can be construed as a precursor to the modern literature of the austrian school of economics there is no substitute for a solid understanding of the market order and of the realities of politics when it comes to combating the kinds of destructive socialist schemes that plagued bastiat's day as well as ours anyone who reads this great essay along with other free market classics such as henry hazlitt's economics in one lesson 
and Murray Rothbard's Power and Market, will possess enough intellectual ammunition to debunk the socialist fantasies of this or any other day. Thomas J. DiLorenzo, May 2007 Thomas DiLorenzo is professor of economics at Loyola College in Maryland and a member of the senior faculty of the Mises Institute. End of section zero.